Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by TheRinger.com and The Ringer Podcast Network, where you can find podcasts such as Against All Odds, produced by the one and only Tate Frazier sitting across from me. Um, I want to give a shout out to Sal, Cousin Sal, as they call him, uh, the host of Against All Odds. Hooked, hooked up my uh, my family with some Jimmy Kimmel Live tickets, and uh, he's a good man and a good person. Good and guy. A good guy. Uh, and a bag man and a bag guy mm-hmm. for dropping off the uh, the bag for some Jimmy Kimmel. Sal talk- is completely across the spectrum, mm-hmm. pretty much everywhere. So yeah. good guy, bad guy. Thank you, Sal. I want to publicly thank Sal because uh, he did not need to do that, and he did. And my family, we had a great time. We went to Kimmel last night. Um, Christine Applegate was on. Anthony Jeselnik was there. And I, I got to say, explaining to my mom and dad who Anthony Jeselnik was before <laughs> the show, my mom's like, I looked up who's going to be there. Have you heard of this comedian, Anthony and then as soon as he said J, J, and she was struggling, I was like, yeah, Jezelnik. And mm-hmm. oh my God, this is going to be fun. She's like, what What kind of comedy does he do? <laughs> well, he's a Jezel well, dick. Yeah. yeah. I was like, you'll, you'll see. Uh, a so, lot of shock involved. No, he was, he was pretty good. I mean, it was obviously, it's on, the show's on Dead ABC. Dead to me is so a great show, by the way. Christina Applegate. Yeah. yeah. Linda Carlini. Yeah. Check Ooh. it out. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Two good then, uh, ones. Oh, uh, Rob Thomas was singing too. And we watched him do like a couple songs, and my parents had man, no this idea. was a night. For it was you. a great night. I was excited. Matchbox my parents, twenty. My parents didn't know anybody, and uh, they, we watched Rob Thomas. And my mom at dinner after the show was I saw her on her phone googling Rob Thomas songs, and she's like, and she, and then I was I called her out. She's like, which one of these songs is your favorite? And I was like, all of them, mom. Rob <laughs> Thomas is a goddamn legend. Just play them all. Uh, so yeah, thank you to Sal. What's going on with the uh, degenerate trifecta? By the way, give the people an update. Every time I talk about it against all odds, I always talk about Sal, but people forget there's more to the show than just Sal himself. Yes, we have AAO Harry, of course, Harry mm-hmm. Gagnon, the greatest. Uh, he is doing really well in Phoenix right now, enjoying his life. Uh, has a little bit more downtime. I, I think he might be unemployed. Rumor, oh, nice. Rumors are circulating, Same. possibly. Same. <laughs> uh, the Parlay Kid also doing great, uh, and Brother Bride doing great as well. So uh, Harry is uh, going to be going down to Vegas at some point very soon. We will be down in Vegas for Summer League. Maybe we we'll be, uh, be there at the same time. Little, we should, you know what we should do in Vegas? Little meet up, we little should pod hangout. Remember the him trying to place bets in the casino thing at the mm-hmm. Guinness World Records and he fell hilariously short? Yes. Um, I, I kind of want to do that just to... I don't know Harry well enough. I know Harry all right. I've, I've, I've I'm learning a, a lot times. about you, Mark Titus, just being around you. Just starting out with, we've had mayonnaise sent to us, and Mark Titus was very upset that he did not get mayonnaise yeah. sent to him. And yeah. right now, Harry goes and does his gambling thing. Now you want to do the gambling thing. You want to do... I just want to... Yes. You want to beat everyone at everything. I'm, I'm You're not, just a competitor. You have grit. Listen, I don't have original content. I just take other people's <laughs> ideas and do it like, better. I, you're like, I will do this. I think you could do this because Harry was basically like, if I was in shape and I, if I was ready to go and you're in shape and you're ready to go. Yeah. So I just I think, I, I think that would be funny content if Harry was like, build it. it. It wouldn't be funny as much. It would have been funny like the day after Harry tried it, if I would have tried it and done it. And then he was just miserable. But again, I don't know him. I well. like Harry as your liaison while yeah. you're doing it. I it would have been funnier be if like Kyle tried it. And then I, anyway, <laughs> we're, we're spending too much time. Go listen to against all odds. Uh, uh also want to plug the, uh, NBA draft that all the coverage are going to have at the ringer.com. Uh, on Thursday, we're doing some live shows. Can you believe shows. it's this week? It is crazy. It snuck it, up. It, it really does sneak up on you. Mm-hmm. Um, on Thursday, I think Kevin O'Connor and some other people are doing live shows. I forget who all is in on this. But uh, if, if you want to watch the draft, you want to watch alongside those people, um, they will be here. I don't know. They they asked us to be involved. I don't know what exactly it means. I'm going to be in the building during the draft. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I might be cleaning the toilets for all I know. <laughs> or I might be on camera. I have no idea. But uh, we are planning on doing a podcast Thursday night. We're going to do a bonus show. 
um, for Friday morning. Uh, so it may just be video. It may, it may be a podcast. Yeah. We have no idea. We just know that Again. we are going to talk about the draft. Someone will maybe listen. It might just be Kyle. We're just, not sure. Just no, point, I'm busy that night. Listen, oh, yeah, that's right. Kyle's doing another podcast. Here's how it works here. Point me to the stage. Turn the light on. Turn the microphone on. Mm-hmm. I'll Grab do my thing. And then I don't, wherever you disseminate it, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> I would just... Uh, I just I just do what I do. Um, so that's that. Check check that stuff out. Today we are going to talk on this episode about uh, the big allegation, notice of allegations that's coming. The trial of the century coming is over. Coming this summer. Six programs. <laughs> yes. Level one violations. Bill Self. <laughs> Sean Miller. <laughs> pop, pop, pop. <laughs> um, Soundtrack by Phil Collins. The FBI has handed the baton off to the NCAA. We have spent a lot of time talking about how the NCAA is inept, how the NCAA is not only going to drop the baton at some point, we thought the handoff was just going to be botched and uh, mm-hmm. there was never going to be a handoff. And the NCAA was going to be like, what? We're supposed to investigate something? Uh, news is broke that the NCA is on the case. So uh, we are back to licking our lips. We are going to talk about that. We are going to talk about LaMelo Ball, some other shit we're going to get to. Uh, we are also going to talk to BJ Armstrong. He's coming in a little bit later. Um, one of the greatest shooters in NBA history. Mm-hmm. And there's a ton of stuff to talk to him about. I, I, I am so excited for this. I was up all night prepping notes on all sorts of stuff. Uh, Iowa basketball. I'm, I'm like an Iowa basketball, uh, a 1980s era Iowa basketball expert at this point all the prep I did for this interview. So uh, we have a loaded show. We're going to get to all of it. But first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Technical foul. All right, Tate, it's Tuesday morning. That can only mean one thing. It is time for uh, one thing podcast. We are here in the studio in Los Angeles. I want to start the show. Uh, by by committing a social faux pas, faux faux pas, faux pas, faux foie gras, foie gras. That it is creme fraiche. Creme fraiche. I know no one cares about dreams that people have. I understand that. Uh, I'm gonna fall into this trap anyway and tell you about the dream I had last night because it is it's semi relevant to the to the show. I had a dream that you and I played at Duke. This is 100 percent serious. I didn't I didn't prep this out or anything. I I I had a dream last night that we played at. Duke for Coach K. Uh, the premise was I that, would call this a nightmare, but yes, yes continue. The premise was that uh, we went to Bill. We asked him for a raise. Bill said, "I can't pay you anymore because both my parents are teachers, and they're they're you know you know how it works. The salary is based mm-hmm. on like your degree you have and stuff. So I, I had that in my mind. And Bill said, "I can't give you a raise unless you have a master's degree. So we had to we had to go back to school. We applied to Duke as a joke. That was the only school we got into. And then we." It was too expensive, so we decided we would just get basketball scholarships to pay for the cost of school, and then we were on the team, and that's how it worked out. And it was hilarious. It was a fun dream. I woke up very excited about this dream, so I just thought I would share that with you. Were we playing in the dream, or were we? Yeah, on the we were bench? playing. We were on, we were on the team. Is this you like were, a Rodney Dangerfield back uh, to school type moment? Or just you're, bouncing around. The nightmare gets worse for you because you were the Greg Paulus role. You were the guy. I vividly remember you being the guy that huddles everyone up at the free throw line and says like, "Let's get out, go out there, and take a lot of charges, fuck them guys." Up. Yeah, fuck them <laughs> 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 all. Yeah. Fuck them that, all. That's more like it, Kyle. <laughs> if I'm huddling you up, it's for that reason. It's not to tell you that you're great so, and to slap the floor. A true story. I did. I did have that dream last night. Uh, again, I understand dreams. You know, dream stories always suck. But uh, I just thought I'd share it nonetheless because I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means. Right before we're about to record an episode, I'll be quite honest with you. I think two. it means that you talked to Jonathan Sharks too long because from, <laughs> from what I hear, you guys just talk about Duke basketball. So That's now it. it's seeping yeah. into your brain, yeah. and you're thinking about us. I will say it wasn't as much of a nightmare as I would have liked for it to be. Like, yes, I, I, I actually oh, enjoyed it's a beautiful the dream. campus. Yeah. yeah. 
I wouldn't mind to run it's it back. It's a facade. Yeah. <laughs> it's a mirage, um, but it's beautiful. Speaking of Duke basketball, Tate, six programs are <laughs> have been notified, or not notified, are going <laughs> to be notified by the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this guy, Stan Wilcox, is his name. He is the NCAA Vice President of Regulatory Affairs. Um, this is last Wednesday, June 12th, to, to give everyone the timeline. Uh, Dennis Dodd of CBS writes this story that Stan Wilcox is saying that um, the NCAA is going to notify six basketball programs of level one. Not violation. one, not mm-hmm. two, not three. And then the, the other little takeaway from that is that two of the six are apparently high-profile programs. Mm-hmm. This is the story in college basketball right And they now. would receive the notice of allegations early July. Earlier. That's the, I, I love this move. It's the the two ho pro, ho, high ugh, two high profile teams mm-hmm. are going to get their notices first, and then they're going to give the other four later. So the NCAA is basically saying we're coming out of the gate strong. We are going to grab those headlines right out off the bat. Let's get this done. Um, again, we've we've talked about this for what two years now. Uh, this this whole FBI thing, and every single time we get excited about it, it's a massive massive letdown. Um, this kind of came out of nowhere, though. The fact that the NCAA is n- not only are they saying they're going to do it, they're like kind of puffing their chest out. I don't know if you saw some of these quotes from the from the article from Stan. Yeah, from Stan. Stan's got like a, he's officially standing his ground. Yeah, we're going to do the whole campaign. Stan, he, he says, I wouldn't want to be the first institution to go through the process. He's like a lot of these quotes were just, like Mark Emmert is is quoted in there because uh, um, they have this new this new thing where uh, the 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 NCAA can now use material presented in trials. They used to not be able to use that as evidence for uh, sanctioning their their schools, right? Yes. They can now do that. So Mark Emmert was talking about it, is in the article uh, from the Final Four. His quote was like, I'm very excited to watch this process unfold. Like Stan, Stan Wilcox is saying, yeah, So he, he had this quote. So now that it's over, we're going to be moving forward with a number of level one cases that will help people realize that, yeah, the enforcement staff was in a position to move forward. They're, they got this little like cocky edge to them. Um, and, and I understand that this could all eventually lead to nothing. I would not be surprised by that. But I am encouraged that the NCAA seems to be like, watch. they're basically saying, watch what happens next, folks, because you're about to be rock hard with what's coming this summer. And it's working on me. I'll yeah, be honest. Yeah, they're working. basically saying get ready for it because it's been two years in the making. And every single time we've seen one of these Yahoo, CBS, mm-hmm. whatever, break this down story, we always get the quotes in there from an anonymous coach says, Basically, I'm tired of waiting. I yeah. want to see the penalties come down. And in my mind, that anonymous coach is always Mike Bray. Yes. Mike Bray is like, <laughs> right. lay the hammer down. Let these people know how to get rid of corruption in college basketball. And you Congratulations always, to Mike Bray, by the way. Is Toronto Raptors winning the Yeah, the absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it's the Mike Bray. I mean, the opposite of a the Mike Bray. Mike Bray blessing, blessing is what she yes. used to say. Yeah, yeah, we're at that point. Uh, but you talked about Stan Wilcox. He goes, the main thing is we're up and ready. We're moving forward. And you'll see consequences. Yes. So that that is a... It, that is the main thing. Like, he was like, all these other quotes, this is all be it. You know, I'm just throwing it out there, you know, shooting. But right now, the main thing you need now, to know is we will lay the hammer down. I will say this, though. Uh, this was sort of the same rhetoric being used by the, the whoever the guy was. I, I should really remember the dude's name. The head of the FBI who called that initial press conference and had the flow charts and was saying, we have your playbook. We're mm-hmm. coming for you. If, if you coach college basketball, if you've ever watched college basketball, keep your head on a swivel, bitch. We're mm-hmm. coming for you. Mm-hmm. We're coming for you. And then uh, one guy gets like three months prison. <laughs> and, 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 and everyone, everyone felt bad for him. And everyone him. felt bad yeah, for him. Like, this and is, the rest this of, is wrong. And the rest of them had to write like a, a, a letter to, to the people they wronged that says, I'm very sorry. And, and that was pretty much all that ever came of it. But uh, so I, I, we, we sort of have been here before where we have, we have people are overpromising. But um, 
I don't know. The, what feels different about this, the FBI, the reason the reason people felt bad for Book Richardson and Tony Blinn and all these guys that got caught up with the FBI stuff is that we didn't realize that that was like a federal crime to give someone money to to go play basketball. We, we, we It's very clearly an NCAA violation. And so that's why if, if you want to be encouraged about this, I, it, I say go ahead because what happened with these schools was very, very clearly an NCAA violation. They pretty clearly have evidence that the NCAA violations occurred. So uh, the NCAA has a much stronger leg to stand on than the FBI does because the FBI doesn't give a shit about breaking NCAA violations, which is why they ultimately didn't really have much of a case against these guys. Uh, but they also but set the, the precedent does. overall from the FBI that an NCAA violation can be taking, taken to federal, federal trial mm-hmm. and we can really map this thing out. So at that point, we're like, okay, the FBI is willing to get involved in these cases. The NCAA sees that and goes, now we got a little backup. Mm-hmm. Now, now we got a little confidence. we got the FBI behind us. People know what's going on to a certain extent. And now we're going to come in here and we're going to make some noise and make things happen. The best thing about it is, obviously, we got the 20 programs that have been mentioned, all the stuff that has come out in the trial. And, you know, Bill Self is running his basketball camp. <laughs> you know, Bill, Bill Self's at his basketball camp. He's got all these kids around just trying to teach them the, the fundamentals of the game. A yeah. L- little mic and drill here, here yeah. and there. And then, hey, coach, uh, what do you think about level one violations <laughs> that are coming out? Uh, and, and he basically is, is doing a good job. He's, I was shocked to read mm-hmm. that something could be said that was not specifically intended for anyone, but made it all 20 schools that were going to be mentioned in the FBI deal and their fan base feel like it was. So basically he was saying um, the way that they put this out was a blanket statement. I didn't like it. Now I feel like I'm implicated, even though I'm not implicated. I'm not who, implicated. Who said no. I was implicated? No, actually, I'm not implicated. Actually, I'm not even mad that they're doing it. I actually want to. I want them to clean the game up I just mean, look, as much as anybody. It's complicated, but I'm not implicated. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure what you're saying at this. Uh, so basically, Bill Self is, is playing this runaround. Everyone's going to do this until the actual violations come out, which is why these quotes are so good, because they have to be so ambiguous you know and how, gray. You and know how I, uh, uh, I get on Billis about um, just taking an issue that no one opposes and then mm. just saying it's wrong? And that's like the, the Jay Billis move is like, mm. if you listen to the show, you know what, you know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Um, it's I, wrong! It's wrong! Um I feel like this is happening with college basketball coaches too, that like you'll stick a microphone in their face and ask them about the violations and they'll always find a way to be like, I want to clean the game up. I really just think this is great. We need to clean the game up. And then as soon as they get done with the the interview that they're doing, you know, they're calling their guy. They're like, we're fucked. How fucked are we? Are we fucked? Are we fucked? I think we're fucked. Um, I have but, no knowledge so of what you're I, talking about. I want to get, as someone who has dabbled in the coach, college basketball coaching, I want to go on record to, uh, saying that, uh, uh, I want the game cleaned up as well. I think this is good for college basketball. I, I welcome any investigations by the NCAA. Please look into my past as much as you want. Um, and and I, I think this is a great thing. We need to clean the game up. Kyle, how fucked are we? How fucked are we? It's bad. How fucked are we? Well, I'm going the other way. Let's get dirtier. Let's get, Let's get in the mud. <laughs> it's hilarious. And see it's how just, deep it goes. It's just you just say, I want to clean the game up as though like, and then people, like if you're, if you're Bill Self, that's all you really need to say is just like, I encourage the investigations, clean the game up. And then Candace fans are like, oh, okay, so we're good. We didn't actually cheat. But uh, he also did. He was nice enough to say that I'm sure all the fan bases who were mentioned are very interested to see yes. what would happen. And, Yes, we are. Yes, we are, Bill. Uh, Bill, <laughs> funny you should bring that up. So the two high-profile— high Thanks, Coach. The, uh, we, uh, we, we are told two high-profile programs are going to be given the notice of allegations. Um, any guesses, Tate? Kansas and Arizona seem to be the uh, the front runners. That would count, right? No. Is is Arizona a high-profile program? That's a, Arizona fans, you got to be excited about that. Arizona's won one national title. They haven't been to the Final Four in ages. 
Um, if I'm an Arizona fan, that's the silver line. It's like, we did it. We're a blue blood. We're, high, we're a blue blood. We're tier one. High profile. <laughs> Say what you want. So excited. We're on top. Wild bags is Papa Chance. Yeah, it's oh a player's God. program, baby. <laughs> we told you up front. It's in our slogan. The Pac-12 is back. West Coast basketball is back, baby. We're high profile. Um, it's Those, those got to be the two that we're talking about, right? And But the funny thing is, so you have those two, and then there's four others. The, the the programs listed in the FBI investigation, are, there's like 20 teams. Mm-hmm. So Creighton, I'm Louisville, fascinated LSU, to find, yeah. North Carolina State, TCU, Auburn, Miami. Oklahoma State, North Carolina, were they in there? No. Okay, no, no, no. okay just no, checking. No, just no, just no, saying. No. North Carolina um, State, yes. <laughs> so I'm curious to see which teams are going. I'm, as, as Bill Self said, everyone's curious. But, uh, <laughs> I'm more curious like the reaction. Like the teams that get listed the fan bases of those teams are going to be so, so, so shitty. And it's going to be so awesome. It's going to be so awesome. Like if Auburn fan, if Auburn is, gets the hammer dropped on them, but LSU doesn't, oh my God, it's going to be hilarious. And and I'm sorry, I, I, I don't mean to pick on Auburn fans. The opposite is true too. If LSU gets the hammer dropped and Auburn doesn't or any combination thereof. Because um, let's be honest, there's more than six teams that, that are doing this shit. So the ones that get caught are going to be so pissed and, uh, it's going to be great. I'm going to be on the message boards on that day. I promise you. That. Absolutely. <laughs> Is there a chance that, so let's say these 20 schools, right? They're, they're all pretty big, well-known, profitable programs within the NCAA community. If all of these 20 schools that are all a part of this, let's say the top two get it, Arizona, Kansas, and they're basically like getting blown up. The infrastructure is getting blown up at, at those places. And Lawrence is powerful. We know where Tucson is. And then mm-hmm. the standing tier one now. Tier one. So they're Blue looking blood. around. They're looking at their other 18 compadres that are also in the bag. And they're saying... Who the hell are these guys? Right. Who, who is the NCAA to tell us what to do? Maybe we start our own thing, mm. and they just become the bad boys, and they just go dirt. You know, they just go full dirt. They're just like we're we're gonna basically pay these guys. This is our program. This is our new little division we have. We have twenty schools that are playing in a tournament. We all cheat our asses off. Yes, we have all the lottery players. Yes, and here we are. I would, I would Let's welcome start that. it. I we would don't need the NCAA. That. Meanwhile, like, like Penny Hardaway is trying to get Memphis out of the NCAA at that point. Like, <laughs> yes. Penny's like campaigning, and, and Memphis's AD is like, Penny, we're, we're actually not implicated in it. Penny's got like, like 10,000 signatures, like yeah. holding it up. <laughs> it's like, I don't care we're implicated. Get us in the dirty league now, please. <laughs> He's walking through Memphis with it. Um, yeah, that'd be great. No, it's going to be fascinating to watch, uh, to watch the list of teams that... Who gets who gets picked? It's like it's basically like everyone's all these programs. You just like line up all the head coaches. Then the NCAA has like a shotgun. And they're just kind of like <laughs> we have no idea where they're going to stop the shotgun to kill them. <laughs> yeah, and it's like dark and ominous too because they're really just, they're like whoever is first. We don't really know what the precedent is, so we're basically going to hammer it hard. That's and see what I'm what saying. Happens. Wilcox is like taunting with his quotes. He he. There was there was this other quote that said those top coaches that were mentioned in the trials where the information shows what was being said was a violation of NCAA rules. Yes, they will all, They will be all part of these notices of allegations. So he's like calling out all the coaches that are mentioned. So he's basically saying like, if your name was ever mentioned in any of these trials, you should be shooting your pants right now because it might be you. But then again, it might not. We'll see, folks. We don't know. Wink, wink. Those poor fan bases, <laughs> in the words of Bill Self. Uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. So. We, get, we got to also knock out. So I saw a lot of people, because uh, one of the big things that came out of all this stuff was the Kurt Townsend wiretap from mm-hmm. Kansas. Assistant coach, he's on the phone. He's basically like, what kind of deal do I need to get in place to get Zion Williamson to come to Lawrence? How, how do I make this happen? So that's on a wiretap, but that was not permissible in court. That was not uh, allowed in the case as actual evidence. Mm-hmm. So now the NCAA cannot take 
that actual wiretap and use that. It's really weird, by the way. They can use it as a reference point. They, they said when they're interrogating coaches, like when they're talking to Bill Self and they're like, you know, Coach Self, what was Kurt Townsend doing on the phone with Zion Williamson? And he goes, one, two, three, four, fifth. <laughs> but regardless, they're gonna, they, have a, they have the right to ask him that question, but they can't bring it up when they actually, you know, put down the violations and say, we, we had this guy on the phone with yeah. Zion Williamson. But since that was out to the world, when they heard two major violations, I don't know if you saw this, People immediately, this is, you know, you know, North Carolina fans, like ACC fans in general, they all start pointing to Duke because they're like, Zion Williamson is on a wiretap. Right. He was obviously getting offered money from Kansas. He obviously was offered possibly more to go to Duke. Unless he just, like you said in your dream, wanted to go to a higher education <laughs> and play at a beautiful get his place. Masters. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So that that's all out there in the world and in, in, the, in the ether. So Duke was a name that was getting thrown out there. But since this isn't permissible, this doesn't seem to be like it's going to be a, a main priority. But somehow in every single one of these reports, that story keeps popping up, which is, it, it sounds like the NCAA is just reading all these reports because they said we were listening to the trial. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to use the media as a, re- a reference and a resource. Shout out to the Yahoo boys. You know what I mean? They were like, we're going to we're gonna put this all together and make our own case. So I want to see how much they use of, of these sorts of things and, and what they pick and choose to use. Basically. It's, it's wild that they can't use the wiretap with Townsend. Like I, I get why the courts can't because there are real laws about obtaining evidence and stuff but like is the NCAA I mean, it's, it's, it's just crazy the wild wild west yeah it's like do not, what you want it's not yeah why do you adhere to the United States Constitution NCA? just do what you want you can, you make up your own rules as you go the mm-hmm. wiretap exists we have it the other go get the uh, Mark Schlebach wiretap as well get that one while we're at it like that one exists too I don't understand what what are we doing Um, but yeah Duke's, Duke's not going down like, of course who, who, who would possibly how naive would you have to be to think that the Kay's caught up in any of this. Zion's not going down. Yeah, that's the whole not. point. No. So I, I just just take no, that fact, out of the story. I would story. say Kay is. I, I would say the reason they're waiting is. Uh, yes, it's a titillating paragraph. Yes, I like yes. to read it. Yes, I like to see it. But just take it out. Don't tease us. They are. They are going to. Uh, uh, they're asking Kay which six programs. Like I think he's that in charge of all this. They're like they're calling Mike Shashevsky and saying, "Hey, we we want to take down six programs. You get a pick. You pick the six that we want to take down. Make two of them high profile though, just to kind of North Carolina." <laughs> Wake Forest, NC State. I was trying to think of a. Um, you remember when you, we did the Louisville thing and you called it the Jepruder film? Yes. I was trying to think of like, is it? Uh, I don't know. I was trying to think of another pun like Sh- Schindler's List, but <laughs> like with K. If you if you like get drafted K R Z like you know what I'm saying Schindler's List. If you like make it to the NBA, is it like you're on base? Like if, if your school goes down, like it's really like you're you're out, you're safe. Like yeah, after the draft, you're saying like Dennis Smith is in the NBA, and then things come out that you're he like, was you're, you're on taking base. the bag. You're at, safe, yeah. right? Yeah, nothing happens to you. Yeah. Oh, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like Dennis Smith. Like I don't know. Yeah, it's like capture the flag. You're back on your side. <laughs> you're so. safe. You're yeah, good. You cross yeah. the line. Yeah. <laughs> you went over there. You got the flag, and you ran back, and you're <laughs> safe. Got the bag. And you're got the bag. Got the bag. Capture the bag. Capture the bag. That is t-shirts coming soon. So if you want to make that game, if you're a game developer, capture the bag. We would love to have some sort of input on that. Please reach out to Kyle on Venmo. That's right. Top Shady 300. Oh god! Anything else on the uh, the 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 trial that the the story that won't end? But um, that I mean, how many times have we done a podcast where I've been like Tate, new development, let's go? <laughs> um, but this one finally, it might be real. It might be real. It might not. Who knows? But too high profile. They're going to send allegations. Whether the allegations come of anything, because let's not forget that North Carolina was also given notice of allegations. North Carolina fought it. Nothing happened in North Carolina. So I guess 
We should also mention that that the notice of allegations don't necessarily mean anything. The cloud, yet. the cloud is worse than the actual punishment yeah. always. So if they just put out to Kansas and Arizona that they are coming with level one violations at some point, even if they never come, the idea that they will come <laughs> at the end of the day, it's basically Game of Thrones. It's like yeah. the whole time, it's like it's coming. Right. Just wait, it's gonna come. You're gonna see it. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh, 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 is it gonna come? Oh my God, it's gonna come! And then you get there, and it's like I couldn't see much of that, and that was thirty-five minutes. Did it come? Did you come? What? The, yeah, it, it's like it's like the build-up to when you lose your virginity. You know what I mean? You're 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 so hyped up, you think it's gonna be this whole thing, and then uh, you know, thirty-five minutes later, you're like, I, I didn't know. see much of that, and I'm pretty tired. I wouldn't know. Can't wait to find out someday. Um. <laughs> Next year. 35 Next minutes. Year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take that, Kyle. North Carolina. Wow. You guys yeah, are they're, they're, uh, We're, we're going to be talking about this, getting so excited for uh, for all this shit to happen. And at the end of the day, Book Richardson is going to get three more months in prison. <laughs> That's going to be the NCAA's ruling. Stacking on those Tony Bland gets probation, and Book Richardson gets another month in, in prison. And that's that's all that comes of it. And Bill Self gets to skate. Um Moving on to the other story that's going on in college. Oh, breaking basketball. news. Coach K is joining the Rice Commission. <laughs> oh, goodness. What an addition. Finally, someone in there with some basketball knowledge and experience. Schindler's <laughs> List. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was funny. It's not funny. <laughs> I wish that we had someone here that could just pronounce uh, <laughs> these things for us sometimes. Oh, goddamn. Like a David um, Attenborough. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about this. This this happened yesterday. Lamelo Ball, um, <laughs> Lamelo Ball is going to play in Australia as well. Uh, Quickly, <laughs> did you see Lavar Ball on first take? And I know that you know a lot of people may not watch first take like I do. Have have for a long time. Yeah, you religious, have been. religious been. follower since you know way back in the day. Back to cold pizza almost. Uh, you, you got the idea of it before everyone else did. Like when everyone else was going like. They're just yelling, I hate these guys. You were like, that's what makes it great. And then now people are coming back around to like, like, it's so funny. People saying like, protect Stephen A. Smith at all costs. Like five years ago, we're like, this guy's ruining our industry. Uh, but all the sports media types, it feels like are loving Stephen A. again. Anyway, you were on. It's, I'm, uh, I'm just giving a, you a shout out. You, no, were, you saw it, the genius from uh, the start. I, it, it's always been entertainment. And if you didn't know that, go watch Shannon Sharp. He'll show you. But anyways, <laughs> basically, Lavar's on there and he is... Anything that Stephen A is setting up, Lavar, you said this. No, I did not. <laughs> and I'm and I'm thinking to myself, you know, we talk about plausible deniability. That's a buzzword on this podcast. I just like flat out deniability. Mm -hmm. Like they would play the tape of Lavar being like, Lonzo Ball will never get traded from the Lakers. They'd play the clip, and they're like, "What do you think about that, Lavar?" I never said that. <laughs> and it worked. Like everything. By, by the end of the whole thing, I was like, Lavar wanted Lonzo to get traded out of LA. He didn't want to play for the Lakers anymore. He was a Magic Johnson pick. Magic's not there. He wanted to get to New Orleans. Anyways, the man is denying everything. Lonzo's happy in New Orleans. He and Zion are going to change the world apparently at this point. And also, Lamella Ball, I don't know if you've heard this, is going to be the number one pick in the yeah. 2020 NBA draft. Yeah, it's happening. And <laughs> I look, speaking into existence has worked. Plenty of times for Lavar Ball, and right now Lamelo Ball. Th there's a there well, is a chance. Hold on, he, he's going to be the number one pick in the draft, if and only if he doesn't decide to play college basketball um, after going to Australia. Because uh, I, what if that happens? Where uh, I mean, the guy like I don't understand how. My point is, I don't understand how this is a story that he is foregoing college basketball because how is he eligible in the first place? The, a, a guy who played professionally in Lithuania 
is now coming out and saying, I'm not going to go to college. We're like, yes, we knew that. You play professionally in Lithuania. You uh, you have, you have were signed to your dad's shoe company. Um, yes, of course, you're not playing. But that, would, that that's how I see the story unfolding. It's like, that would, I would actually respect the Ball family more for that. If, if he goes to Australia, plays a year in Australia, is taking salary all season, mm-hmm. is signing endorsements, and then after the season, there's like a, a, a headline. I to take my talents to the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, he's like, he's like I'm, I'm interested in Duke and Kansas, um, and <laughs> those, those are the two on my final two, and everyone's like, what the fuck? You're trying to play college basketball? He's like, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't I? I love that he narrowed it. So basically, no college, he's a five-star recruit, no college team came to watch him at Spire in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And... Then he narrowed down his list. I got an update <laughs> on my phone. It says LaMelo Ball narrows down uh, basketball list or whatever, basketball decision. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, did he go from Kansas, Carolina, and Duke to just maybe he's like, I, I want to go to, you know, Arizona mm-hmm. now. What, it, what may it be? And it said to Australia and to China. <laughs> and I was thinking he should do a press conference where he just has the, you know, the continent sitting the- there with the hats. And then he just puts on, I was like, I'm going to go to China. You know what I mean? That, that's a new thing. Like that's some international stuff. That's next level. That's actually a great for idea. For LaMelo Ball. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm going to pick what continent I'm going to go to. Guess what? Did you hear that uh, Darius Bates is going to go to Belarus next year to play? <laughs> what an upset. That is true. Why, why is it only college basketball guys and college football guys do it? But that's it. That's the only people. Like, why don't dual national soccer players mm-hmm. that, uh, you, you know, like these, these guys that are, their parents are from Italy or something, and then he was born in America, and now he's like a really good soccer player, and he wants to decide where he's gonna is he gonna play for the Italian team or the United States team? Why does why don't we ever get those press conferences where he's got the two flags mm-hmm. and he you know we need more of that. Every decision should be televised with hats, is what I'm saying. Yes, we should do that with lunch. When Serge Ibaka was like, "I'm lunch. going to play for Spain," he had to pick up a, a Spain yes, hat. He should have put, put up Spain yes. hat. Yeah, yeah. Like we it, should we need we need more of that. Um. And it's a global broadcast. Uh, thoughts and prayers, though, to Jeff Goodman, who is now going to have to spend months at a time in Australia following the Ball family. Because anytime the balls uh, leave America, Jeff Goodman follows. Jeff Goodman follows balls. That's what we know about him. The balls. He, he just got his eye on the balls, and he's uh, he's chasing after balls, and that is what Jeff Goodman does. So uh, I assume he's going to be in Australia for. Like However, five months. what he tweeted, first take. He saw it. He saw Lavar Ball basically say, "Deny, deny, deny." And Jeff Goodman is basically like, this man is a liar. And I followed Whoa. him to Lithuania to see it up close and personal. But I'm done. I'm done with the balls. No more balls for no Jeff? No more balls. Jeff has no, no balls. No. Um, Jeff, care to come on the pod to discuss? We'll see. We need to uh, to get Goodman back on here and uh, get the... Good on LeVar Ball, though. Yeah. I, I, I mean, at this rate, he's going to become president. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's slowly climbing up where, I mean, his likability for me, I mean, regardless of what they say or what they show... He just never fails. I also want to shout out uh, Rob Doster, our our buddy, who uh, I saw him on Twitter just like losing his mind, trying to get people to not make Lamelo jokes because he's like trying to he's trying to be like the the doomsday guy. That's like, folks, Lamelo Ball can actually play because he everyone you know we're doing it right now. We just want to make jokes about the Ball family. Lamelo, the only time I ever remember watching Lamelo play was the clips of him when he was like thirteen and he was throwing up shots from half court mm-hmm. and uh, cherry picking and all that shit. So D- Doster's doing uh, a, a, the the public a service, and he's like, "This kid is six seven. He's a legitimate NBA prospect. He's probably going to be a top five pick. He's very, very, very good." And then everyone's in the replies, just like, "No one cares, Rob. <laughs> no one cares. Let us make our jokes, Rob. Enough, enough. 
Lavar said, Enough. "Do you not want a six eight point guard yeah. to come be your number one?" Pick? I don't know, he's not. He's not a six eight. He's not a prospect. He's he's Lamel. He's the, he's the thirteen year old kid that's jacking threes. That's what that's that's what he'll always be. To what me. was the game? He had ninety one points in a game, and then when you watch the highlights, like he basically just stayed on offense. Yeah. He did. He did the yes. Vec where he was like, "Yeah, I I just play offense." Um. All right, let's get to it. We're gonna talk to B J Armstrong, one of the greatest shooters in NBA history, a man who won three NBA titles in a row, a mm-hmm. man who. I mean, uh, more impressive than all of that, he made Iowa basketball relevant in the 80s. Um, I, not just relevant, they were ranked number one at a time, Tate. They were ranked number one in the country in 1987. Um, here he is, B.J. Armstrong. Sports. All right, and here we are uh, in the studio right now joining us, the kid. Well, Not B.J. the Chicago kid, but basically B.J. the Chicago Bull, B.J. Armstrong. I appreciate you joining us, man. It's a pleasure. I'm just looking at all of the... Uh... I don't know what you want to call it, merchandise, the the throwback posters. Many posters. of these posters I had in my room as a kid. You know, I remember this. Got the boardroom, board board. got the, you know, Kareem Abdul basketball is just a game of game of feet, not inches. We got the know? roadhouse cut out over here. Don't don't sleep on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty impressive. F- I, I'm really <laughs> impressed. I'm having a uh, throwback type of moment here. So uh, it's very impressive. That's the kind of the thing we do. We kind of throw you into the vortex of basketball and hope that, you know, good things come out of it, good stories. And, uh, we brought you on here because it is the the week of the NBA draft, and there's obviously a lot of storylines and a lot of things that happen around the NBA draft. You have been on pretty much all sides as far as uh, basketball. You uh, were drafted twice. Yes. I want to talk about this because okay. this is the most interesting thing. Uh, it is uh, I don't think people are aware of this. I don't know if you were talking about this during the finals a lot. I was, I was kind of busy and not following as much. Um, you were drafted by the Bulls, obviously, in the first draft, but then you were drafted again. In 1995, by the Raptors. Yes, a little known. And fact. Then oh, a wow, little, that's pretty impressive. And then there's a you. little story about uh, you did not want to play for the Raptors. And then the best part about it is you were then traded to the Golden State Warriors, which made did this make this NBA Finals that we just watched particularly interesting for someone like yourself that um, you were like the first Raptor ever, but then you were traded yes, to the Warriors. That that is correct. Uh, I was the first. Rafter. Uh, I was drafted up there, I think, in 1995 in the expansion draft. And uh, by the Raptors, the first player. I was the first player ever in the ever. expansion draft. So, uh, but yeah, I, I remember going up there. And uh, at the time, Isaiah Thomas mm-hmm. uh, from the Detroit Pistons was the general manager. I think he was one of the minority owners at the time. And uh, it was very interesting when I went up there because I remember I was like, wow, I've never really spent much time in Toronto. Up until then, and what a great city. It was a great city, but I was just at a different place in my career, you know, being in the expansion, knowing mm-hmm. the path that that was going to, you're going to have to go down uh, at that time, coming from Chicago. And then I was traded to Golden State and uh, had a chance to play with Chris Mullen, Tim Hardaway, Latrell Sprewell. And uh, so it, I definitely had a connection, but I was wondering why Toronto didn't invite me. They invited all the other players, that, uh, yeah. but I didn't get the invitation. So uh, maybe they had something to do with it. So what, what's the bigger ego boost there? Is uh, is it being the first guy taken? You were an all-star like the year before that, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. like, so what's the bigger ego boost? Being the first guy taken in the expansion draft, because like that's got to be cool. I mean, you obviously didn't really want to necessarily play in Toronto, but like the fact that, that you were first, that's got to feel cool. Or being traded for five players because that was what the <laughs> trade was. I imagine being on like seeing that headline where you're trading for five, your value to an NBA team is worth five players. Right. Um, that's insane. Well, it, it, that's pretty funny. I've never put it that way. I, I think the, for my ego, probably being the first player selected uh, yeah. in the expansion draft 
Number no one pick. We yeah, should. We should. Yeah, 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 you should introduce yourself as number one pick, BJ Armstrong. Is it easy to say that you were definitely the best number one pick in 1995? <laughs> we, we got Joe Smith <laughs> versus BJ Armstrong. So that's I don't right. Know. Yeah, Joe was drafted by the Warriors that year. Uh, but no, it, it's funny. I, I just, you know, I, and looking back on it, um, my wife was asking me. We were talking about. She was like, I didn't know that. She saw like on television. They they said that. She was like, and um, and I was thinking to myself, I just didn't have the vision. Mm-hmm to have seen what the possibilities were uh, at that time. And, um, but it, it, I remember I, I went up there, I mean, they were just very, how polite they were. It was so different than what I was used to in mm-hmm. the NBA. And the accommodations and them laying out the, the, the rafter, was it? Yeah. Gonna, what were the colors and all of the things. And I remember, God, that, that would be great, but I wasn't there. Uh, and at you know, at, I wasn't mentally, I wasn't in wanting to start all over mm-hmm. again. So, um, but it's been a great story. That's when, when twenty four, twenty five years now. So, um, it's it was, yeah. It's I can't imagine run. winning three titles, then becoming an all star, and then they're saying go to a different country and start this franchise from scratch. Yeah, it was and just you're going to have to carry the whole franchise. Yeah, Good luck. it was a it was yeah, a yeah. different <laughs> it was just a different space. Yeah, but again, I you know, looking back, I wish I would have had the. The, the the vision to have seen what what it could be uh, you know watching something start from the beginning watching them go through the ebbs and flows and suddenly now getting to where they're at now it's it's a great story mm-hmm. and you got to that point you know this is in the 94 95 this is when michael jordan has left basketball he's playing right. baseball at this point so you went from being you know a point guard that's kind of groomed up in the system behind packs and then you become the starter and then you know jordan leaves and then you kind of become the leader of the bulls so you went from being a, a leader on this team to then going to, to this expansion team. So it just seems like such a weird space to be in. If we did that today in the NBA, if we just pulled a guy off a contender and now he's starting a new franchise, it, right. there would be so many storylines to go around it. But instead, you know, it kind of just gets almost lost in the shuffle over time, which is very, yeah, very it, odd. Yeah, it, it did. And like I said, as a player, you're, you're kind of, I was in kind of in my player mode thing, right? Where you want to win, you want to compete. And I had a little taste of success. And once you get a taste of winning in this league, you never want to go back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know how hard it is to win then, and I, I, I especially know how hard it is to win now. And um, I just wanted to continue that. It's like winning is a very addictive thing. You know, you get into these modes where you understand the the preparation, but more importantly, how how hard it is. And once you get a little taste of it, I just wanted to win as much as I could as a player and uh, nothing against the city of Toronto. Um, but I just wanted to have an opportunity and, and I was fortunate enough. They traded me to golden state. It wasn't like great years out there, but you know, on paper we had a pretty good team, you know, Chris Mullen, Tim Hardaway, Latrell Sprewell, you know, the great Ronnie cycling mm-hmm. was on that team. And um, you know, so we, we had a chance at least on paper, we didn't, you know, we didn't make the playoffs or anything, but at least, it, you know, I thought we had a chance, a better chance of, you know, winning at the time than Toronto did. And it is one of those things where you've had the fortunate ride to go from, you know, the, the big three in Chicago, like making that first, you know, three-peat run and then going to TMC and then sort of all down the line from the guys you've got to play with, you know, it's a nice little run. How hard is it to win three titles in a row? Because I, I have a feeling you're going to say it's very hard, but as, as, a, as a dumb idiot fan watching on the couch, <laughs> uh, I feel like w- when when you have Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and you guys are clearly the best team already. And the Zen Master. Like, is it really that hard to just continue to be the best team. Like, I mean, it, 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 what, what's made it relevant, I guess, is the Warriors. It's it's kind of crazy that we'll look back. I mean, and 
I don't know. We don't know what's gonna happen the next three years, but uh, that the Warriors never did pull off a three peat when it feels like it feels like the Warriors won six straight titles, but they actually never won more than two in a row. Um, as someone who was part of a team that won three in a row, it, it's really as hard as all the players pretend like it. Like because that that was all the talk with the with Steve Kerr would come out. And he'd be like, you know, it's really hard to win three in a row. And I'm like, mm-hmm. is it really? You got the best team. Like, is it really that hard? Yeah, it, it is hard, and the great ones who have been able to pull it off make it look easy because they are so good. Um, no, the first thing is first you got to have unbelievable. You got to have luck, right? You just have have to mm-hmm. unbelievable luck because you know it's one thing to be great during the regular season, but it's another thing to be great during the postseason, right? At that time, I think it was like fifteen games you had to win. Now it's sixteen, I believe. Um, so you have to have unbelievable luck. The second thing, which is you know people don't give enough credit for, you know we always talk about the stars, the Jordans and the Pippins and the Shaqs and the Kobe's and and all these teams that have been able to pull it off, but you have to have amazing role players. And the role players are really the the unsung heroes of a three-peat because they allow the great players to be great when it's time to be great, right? I don't need Michael Jordan to be great mm-hmm. in January 31st right, right. <laughs> in a regular season game. I need him to be great in those moments where we're trying to win because – you know, everyone talks about talent, but you need talented players who can play exceptionally well at the at the right moment. So the, you know, the thing about us was, you know, we always tried to break the game down into like, you know, there were there were two games playing being played. There was the four, the first forty four minutes, which was, you know, most players can play in in the NBA. And then there's a four-minute span where only the great players can play. It's like the first 44 is like an exhibition, and we're just yeah, like playing pickup and, and getting up and down. Yeah, we're figuring out matchups. And then we'll look at the scoreboard with four minutes left, yeah, and that and, will play. And, that, and that, was my, that was my job as an NBA player playing on a championship-caliber team is to keep the game. If I could keep the game at 0-0 in the last four minutes of the game, mm-hmm. and then the great players have to play a different game, okay? So... And what I mean by that is in the first 44 minutes, no, anything is possible, right? You can da-da-da, you can get hot, you can, you know, the game, you can lose, you know, the other team can go on a run, you could go on a run. But it was my job somehow to keep the game Mm 0-0. The last four minutes of the game, it was Michael's job to win that game. Mm -hmm. Because not many players can play in the last four minutes of a game. Yeah, That's the difference between a good player, an average player, and then a great player. The great players can all play in the last four minutes of a game. Mm-hmm. Okay, when when you know what the other team is running, and it doesn't matter. Michael's going to get the ball, and he's going to be three-dimensional. Okay, he's going to score, he's going to get fouled, go to the free throw line, and make two, or he's going to get an and one. Your choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not many players can do that yeah. in the last four minutes. So when I look at these teams, and I look at the – I look at – you know, how hard and how difficult it is to do, I always look at the player, can they play in the last four minutes of a game? Mm. You know, that's that, an interesting that's, way of... of I, I, yeah. that's, that's the first thing I look at. Yeah. Kobe Bryant could do that. Mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant was a three-dimensional player. He In the last four minutes of the game, he was going to be perfect. He was going to score, he's going to get fouled, or he's going to get an M1. Not many players can do that. And... That's why it's so hard to do it because the great players have to give up playing the first 44 minutes of a game. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between, you know, just making a run, getting hot, because not many players have the talent to actually do that. Uh, you were uh, 
speaking of role players, like you were obviously an integral part of all these uh, um, Bulls championship teams. You you've had an unbelievable career yourself. Like I said, as soon as as soon as Jordan steps away and goes plays baseball, you become an all star. So it's not like you're a slouch. Um, even though history, you know, maybe at the time people thought you were just kind of this ancillary guy on the team. It was like Jordan <laughs> well, Pippers thing. I, I, I was, but okay, but that's nice. As, but then as soon as you get your opportunity, you yeah, make I, the most I just of it. remember the crowd um, would always, oh BJ. Yeah. Oh, BJ. <laughs> well, I'm saying it. You're, you're one of the greatest shooters the game has ever seen, and but you came along like at a time when people didn't necessarily appreciate. shooting shooting as much, but kind of did. Like, obviously people appreciated you, but you were like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I'm saying like basketball now, the three-point revolution has happened. As someone um, in your position, do you, are, are you happy to see that three-point shooting is has be, kind of become the game today? And, and are you like, yes, that's my brand of basketball. I love that. Or are you someone that's like, damn, I was doing this years and years ago and no one appreciated it. And as much as they and should. And for the record, now, you're shooting 45% from three. And also, uh, <laughs> we should we should point out, MJ sucked at shooting threes. Could he even play today, Tate? That's a question we got to ask ourselves. Could he, could he play in today's basketball? Where, where, I'm not, not going to touch. <laughs> Tate, I'm not going to touch <laughs> that. <laughs> could he even survive yeah, in today's um, NBA? <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's funny watching the game because, you know, people always ask me all the time, God, if you were playing today, you would be. And then, and I would say, you know, when I look at the game today, I, I look at the game, I said, the thing that's emphasized today is the analytics of the game. Mm-hmm. And and coming over here, I, w- I was speaking to a friend of mine as a coach. And uh, we were talking about the game because I'm always I'm always only concerned about the, the game itself. Right. You know, now the emphasis is on three point shooting. But the funny part is during the playoff, it always comes back to the game. Right. You know. Well, it's three-point shooting. And then back when I played, it was the physicality of the game. We played from the inside out. Now the guys play from the outside in. But in the playoffs, the game, right. it, it, it always comes back to the same thing, right? You know what I mean? I have to execute. I have to get stops. And we have to do the same thing. And we all have this connection regardless of the eras. I'm a little saddened by watching the game today because of the following. You know, the basketball is basketball. And what I mean by that is the the fundamentals of the game will never change, right? The team that defends the best, that rebounds the ball the best, and shares the ball with with each other, that's the team that's going to win. Mm. And, yeah, we talk about three-point shooting, and there's a lot of emphasis on it and all of the, the, the analytics. But when you look at the Golden State Warriors, who clearly is the best three-point shooting, three-point shooting team in the league, right, maybe in the history of the game, mm. they are the best defensive team in the league. So as much as the game changes, it never really changes. Right. Okay. So yes, the Splash Brothers, KD, the the truth of it is they're the best defensive team in the NBA. Well, Mm -hmm. so were the Bulls. So were the Houston Rockets. So were the Detroit Piston Bad Boys. So was Mm -hmm. the Lakers. (laughs) So was San Antonio. So that's never changes. Okay. If you're a great defensive team and you can't rebound the ball, you're still on defense. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's the Warriors okay. in the finals. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then the Warriors, the only thing that the Warriors, in my humble opinion, do better than most of the other teams on the offensive end is they share the ball. They don't hold the ball for more than two or three seconds. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry, as great of a shooter as he is, the ball's always popping. Mm-hmm. If he's not catching and shooting, he passes it. I mean, think of that. That's a, that's, a, that's a concept that we've all learned, but they move the ball. You know, where we talk about the Houston Rockets, for instance, 
and it's more isolation basketball. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it be- better or worse. It's just, you know, when I played in a system called the triangle offense, the first thing was everyone just had to share the ball. Yeah. What a novel idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? So as much as the game has changed, right, with the three-point shooting and all right. of the things, championship caliber basketball never changes. And that is the emphasis that I try to make every time I can when I come on, you know, shows like this or wherever is, yeah, I I recognize it. It should, you know, these guys are shooting and you're always looking for space on the floor. As As a player playing with Michael Jordan, my job was not so much that I was a three point shooter is I had to create space so that Michael Jordan could be Michael Jordan. Right. It was, it was just jarring. I was I was doing research and, and remembering your career and stuff. And uh, I did, do you remember the career high you had uh, for points in a game, in an NBA game? God, I'm old now. I, I can't you would remember. Okay. As my kids would say, did you, you scored, really play in the NBA? Dad, scored, I didn't see it. Uh, <laughs> on March March 19th of 96, you scored 35 against the Rockets. Oh, wow. But here, here's what like stood out to me as like, shocking. So if, if I told you B.J. Armstrong dropped 35 in a game, Tate, how many threes did he hit? Like seven? Mm, yeah, something like that. <laughs> he was yeah, two six. for three from the three-point line. You were two for yeah, three. Yeah. Isn't that like, what, that, it's like wild <laughs> you know, to think about to, today. When was it? 96? Yeah. So that had to be, I can tell you, I can tell you exactly how that game went. Charles, Bar- we went screen roll every time at Charles Barkley. Because he was with the Rockets at that time. Yeah. And it, I, and, and you just attack, you know, the, everyone shoots threes now, right? Everyone shoots threes. But just look at the matchups. Yeah. Just like, yeah, I, I'm going to attack Akeem Olajuwon, not because he's a bad defender. It's just because he's such a, a, a dominating figure. I just want to keep him occupied. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go at Charles Barkley because I want to keep him occupied. You know, when you're watching the finals this year, they went at DeMarcus Cousins every single time. Yeah. Because that was the one weak link for them where they said, I can get a shot. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the Warriors said, well... I'm going to do the same thing to Mark Gasol yes. because I can get a shot. Mm-hmm. And But some teams, you're watching, you're going, okay, you're open for three, but why are you shooting it? Right. You know, so, um, but that's funny. I, 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 I don't really remember that, but, you know, it was... Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just jarring to think like that's how. Yeah, it, you didn't shoot threes like that. You didn't come down was, one pass and, and shoot it like listen, that. Listen, that was like, I'm... I, I, I'm starting to feel old myself, but like that was the only thing I could do on a basketball court was shoot three. So like now <laughs> I watch guys who can do it all. Like guys like me were were specialists. I, I would I I played on a great AU team. We talked about it before. I I, I don't know if you're aware of this BJ. I'm gonna uh, inform the audience. Kyle loves when Run I do, back. do Let's this. Do it. Uh, I was on the, the AU team with like Greg Oden and Mike Conley and Eric. Oh, Gordon. Yeah. I saw you play yeah, then. You probably did. Yeah, I, and uh, the kid that went to Duke. Yeah, McRoberts. Rick McRoberts, yeah. 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 I saw you play so then. My job was like we would be play I I actually got minutes because like we'd play a team, they would go zone to stop Greg. They'd throw me in. I would rain threes. The other teams would be like, shit, now we don't know he what would to do. Rain threes. Yes. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what I did. And but now guys like me are going extinct because now like seven footers can shoot three. Like everybody shoot threes. I'm watching the NBA. I'm like, what about guys like like what about the one about the white guys? Guy? <laughs> that can only do one thing. Yeah. Um, that's that's why I'm that's why I don't like it. That's why I don't like it. like I'm, as a three point shooter. I love that 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 shooting is is. Well, at one point, Greg Oden, these players needed you. Now, yeah, they shoot threes like, themselves. If now. Greg was coming up now, he would not be back to the basket. They'd be having him picking and popping and, and shooting threes. Absolutely, and stuff. It'd be wild. A- yeah. Absolutely, and he's like the most dominant high school guy ever. And, and did you play in Vegas? Cost- 
Yeah, we played in Vegas. Yeah, this is funny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember watching. I remember I, thinking, who's that white kid? <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember my. I remember watching Mike Conley, Greg Golden, and Mick Roberts. Yeah, yeah and, I was on uh, the team. Yeah, they were playing it. Is it what was it? It was uh, is Elite sixty four. When it was a sixty four. No, it was the Super. It was the Big Time. Is what we big called time, it. Big Time. Yeah. That's right. Rebox. Sonny Vaccaro. Sonny. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember this. I can't remember who yeah. you were playing, but I remember it was a. It was like a huge game. Uh, we played like OJ Mayo and Bill Walker's team. We played. A, yeah. I, I saw yeah. that. I was at that game. Yeah. We played, yeah, yeah. We had we had a few good. We played Brandon Jennings there. We played uh, like the the Southern oh, California wow. All Stars. That was Brandon Jennings, Chase Budinger, Kevin. Yeah, Love. I remember the kid that came yeah. in was raining threes. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, <kid>. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, appreciate, yeah. appreciate that. I, appreciate that. I, I can verify that he was raining threes. <laughs> he thought it was Mike Miller. He was like, yeah, I think I saw Mike Miller back. Oh uh, man, that's funny. Oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I like how yeah this this became a just me reminding everyone that I could play once upon a time. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about Big Ten a little bit? Yes. You're a Big Ten guy. Yes. You're from first of all, how did you end up at Iowa? You're from Michigan. You're from Detroit. Um, uh, what, what's the story there? Yeah, and is this going to be a wink, wink? Uh, no, the, no, the, no. The, I, the I right can tell bag you. showed I up at the right place no, at the right time. No, no, no. You know, this is this is in the good old days. You know, the <laughs> yeah. good old days mm-hmm. uh, in the '80s. You know, um, I I'm from Detroit, and uh, I always dreamed of staying in state and at the time I wanted to go to Michigan State that's where I really wanted to go you know that being a fan of Magic Johnson and Jay Vinson and Sam Vinson and Judd Heathcote and old mm-hmm. Jenison Fieldhouse so that was like my place and uh, I had a cousin actually who played football on the Rose Bowl team uh, that won uh, Sterling Armstrong who played in Michigan State so I was I wanted to go to Michigan State um, I go up there for my visit and they had this young freshman at the time by the name of Scott Skiles. Mm. And I go up there and everything's going great. You know, I, Tom Mizzle was a like a grad assistant. Um, I, I had a great visit. And, I, and on my last day, Sunday, as I'm going back home, I'm like, this is the place for me. I feel good about it. You know, Scott Skiles comes up to me and he goes, hey, if you come here, you just better be prepared to sit on the bench. <laughs> For the next three years. <laughs> okay, so he says this to me in Not front surprising of at all. all of the coaches. And I'm toning it down. He didn't, you know, it was some choice words, some great Scott Skiles words. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's mm-hmm. looking at me. I'm looking at them. The players are all around. The coaches are all around. And it was like one of those more, it was probably my first of many awkward moments mm-hmm. in the sports. And uh, I didn't know what to say. And so I didn't say anything. So the only thing I could say was, you know, I'm a competitor. All right. I can't come here. Yeah. And I'm going to go bust your ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. That's all I could say. Right. Hey, hey I got to make this, I got to make these shots rain somewhere else. I'm not going to rain here. Right. So, you know, Scott, and, and when I see Scott, and we always laugh about it. I mean, it was like really funny. I don't know if he was trying to be funny when he said it. And everyone just I like, don't like, think so. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he was trying to be funny. Moments. So, I, I was fair to say I wasn't going to Michigan State uh, at the time. And then Michigan at the time had Gary Grant, who was a freshman. Mm-hmm. And then they had Antoine, the judge, Jobert, mm-hmm. who was a young sophomore. And they had like the number one team rated uh, in the country that year with Roy Tarpley and all those guys with, under Bill Frieder. And uh, they told me I had the red shirt if I were to come Oh, there. really? Wow. So I wanted to stay in the Big Ten. And uh, I had also visited Boston College with Gary Williams because mm-hmm. um, I knew he always had point guards that, you know, could play and do things. 
Uh, so I ended up going to Iowa and that's how I got there. I just wanted to stay in the Big Ten. I, I really, that was my only choice uh, when you look at it. Um, so I went there and things worked out well for me with uh, Coach uh, George Ravelin, who I just, I was with him last week uh, at another event. So that's how I ended up at Iowa. Is yeah. it, was it one of those things too, where you get like a Roy Marble or like s- someone else in that class, you know, because we see so much with, with these young guys where they'll meet someone in AAU or know someone from the circuit. That person's going to this school. Therefore, they want to go right. to this school to play with this person. Was that happening? Was jockeying for position happening back then? Or is it um, more of an independent decision? I think it was more independent. I didn't really grow up in the AAU world. Yeah. Um, I knew Roy, Roy, uh, Roy Marble, you know, he, you know, late Roy Marble, who was, you know, he was like a McDonald's All-American. Mm-hmm. He was one of the top 10 players coming out. 6'6 um, six, six guard. Yeah, 6'6 yeah. guard. I mean, he was... He was a very special player uh, growing up, and uh, I knew Roy, um, but it wasn't like one of those things where it was like a, a package deal. It wasn't like know? a Fab Five yeah, situation. It wasn't, no, yeah. it was just, I thought that was the best place for me, and I was happy that that was the best place for him, and we were going to go together being from Michigan together. Um, but you know what? I mean, we were going to go to Iowa together, so that was great. We all, we had a great class. That whole class, you know, George Raveling, we were, you know, he brought in a great class. Mm-hmm. We had five guys in that in that class, and they all played in the NBA. It was myself, Roy Marble, Ed Horton. Ed Horton who, yeah. was a McDonald's All American. Kevin Gamble, who played for the Celtics, mm-hmm. uh, played, and then we had Les Jepsen, who played in. So that was the five guys who came to That's Iowa crazy. that year. You were the and original we, Fab Five. Yeah, then. We were yeah. Yeah. Uh, by, by default, it. right? Um, <laughs> you invented we, baggy shorts. Yeah, yeah like, we just, all uh, <laughs> start saying you invented everything, like the Fab Five does. We're like, we invented the name Jalen. Making it rain yeah. is the word. That's my word. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Um, so we were, we you know, we had a good class. That's how we ended up at Iowa. We had a good team. I mean, we had you know some good runs there in you know four years, but the Big Ten. Going back to the Big Ten, it was loaded, right? It was loaded. Oh, man, the Big Ten was great. Great basketball, great coaches. And I was uh, looking up in 87, you guys got number one, the only number one ranking in right? Iowa history. It was yep. your sophomore year, I think. That was, uh, yeah, I think, I think Indiana the, won it that year, Indiana right? Indiana won it and, that and, year. Purdue was ranked, like, in the top the, five all year. I think Illinois was ranked in the yeah, top five. Yeah, we were, like, five. number one in the country, and we were, like, third in the division. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, was <laughs> it was, like, insane. crazy. Purdue, it was insane. And then yeah. in 89, Michigan won. Yeah, so, like, Michigan. you had two Big Ten teams win in your four years. That like the big, And you guys had a top five team yeah. the whole time. It was, I think, it was insane. Uh, one year, Illinois, I think Illinois went to the final four one year. Yeah. Uh, Michigan won it, as you, as so you just mentioned. So. What happened? <laughs> why, why, why is the Big Ten, from your perspective— uh, you know, I don't. I don't know how close you're. Not probably following as closely as I am. I do this for a living, but um, Big Ten basketball has not won a national championship since 2000. What are we doing wrong? I, I feel like we're not paying players enough. Okay. That, that's what I've been. <laughs> well, I I, I say uh, I say this. You know, you know, I get a chance as in what I'm currently doing as an agent and working. I get a chance to see a lot of young, young talent and and evaluate the players. I think a couple things have happened. One. Um, the ACC and the SEC, what they've been able to do as far as uh, just the talent base alone in those regions, you know, sometimes you just go through cycles, right? Um, yeah. I think the talent base that you're seeing in the SEC has been incredible, right? They've been able to, it's, you know, we know what they're doing in football, but basketball, for whatever reason, in the South has made a resurgence, mm-hmm. if you will, of just quality, quality basketball down there. And then in the ACC, you know, the Dukes, the Carolinas, the Virginias, you're just seeing, you know, and then you start putting in, you know, the Syracuses into the division. So you're just seeing the level of basketball just because, you you know, in the Big Ten, you would always have 
the upper echelon of the Big Ten, which kind of carry the Big Ten. Um, at that time, you know, Northwesterns, the Wisconsins uh, weren't as much. But now uh, you're seeing a kind of Wisconsin is right there. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you know, Northwestern made the tournament. Didn't Northwestern made the tournament, right? They made yeah, the tournament a years ago. Yeah, Chris, yeah, Collins, Chris Collins. Collins yeah, yeah. Yeah. They won't stop talking about yeah. it. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, I just think those conferences, and, and I will say this, you know, when you have Hall of Fame coaches, like you have in Coach K, and I remember, you know, I was fortunate enough to play when against a Dean Smith team. And you we, were the first team to beat Dean Smith in the Dean Dome. Say that again. I didn't yeah. hear you. Say that. I didn't hear that. First team to beat Dean Smith in the Dean Dome. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> wow. And, uh, and so, and, and. BJ forgot like his entire career. Yeah, I, 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 this I is did. the Chris Farley show. And we're like, hey, remember when you did that? And you're like, wow, I did do that. That's and nice. that was, you know, so I just think they have like these Hall of Fame coaches and there was a value on trying to learn as much as you could. Yeah. You know, forget all of the, the the social media and all of those things. You just wanted to be able to grasp the knowledge of people like that, right? And, you know, I had a chance to play for Coach K in, a, in like the World University Games or something. And I, I value that time because you get a chance to learn from these great coaches and, and be able to take a little part of that. So um, and in the, in the Big Ten, they had some great coaches Man. when I came. I mean, they just, you know, you know, uh, was it Henson at Illinois? Yeah, you know, you had Henson, Henson yeah. you had Bobby Knight, you had Gene Cady. Gene Cady, you had Dr. Tom Davis, you had, uh, was a, who was a coach at Ohio State? Uh, um, I just mentioned a uh, 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 coach uh, uh, at uh, Boston College, uh, Gary, oh, Williams. Gary Williams, was at Gary State Williams State, yeah. who won a national title over there at Maryland. So you just had all of these wonderful coaches, and it was just, you know, the right place at the right time. Michigan, Bill Frieder, you know, you had all of these people and um, it was just a good, it was a good well, group, good time. Well, speaking of great coaches, um, this is a, a, a trend in college basketball is guys who are legends at their schools come back to their alma maters. Iowa basketball, been, <sighs> been floundering a little bit, BJ. Is this the answer? It's bring BJ Armstrong home well, you know, um, to save the Hawkeyes. <laughs> Iowa is like, I had this thought. Iowa basketball to the Big Ten. Iowa is like the Big Ten of the Big Ten. <laughs> like Iowa, the way the Big Ten is always like, like the Big Ten is always good enough to be competitive, but we never win national titles anymore. Iowa basketball is like good enough to be in the mix of everything. Iowa hasn't won a Big Ten since 1979, Tate. Wow. That was, this could was, be the man that could get was it that done. With Ronnie, that was with Ronnie Lester. Man, I wasn't man. alive back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. That was with Ronnie and those guys. Lou Olson, that group. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, 1970. The only the, like the of the original teams in the Big Ten, Northwestern's the only one that. Has yeah, won, I, has, I mean, has look, I, draft, I love so. Iowa. And it, it's it is probably you have two you know, assistant coaches right here. I mean, we yeah, have a staff I, I, right well, here. We have I'm, a staff. I'm ready to go. Absolutely, um, Iowa. Those four <laughs> years at Iowa were perhaps the four greatest years, you know, that I've had. Right. Yeah. It was just, and I'm sure everyone thinks that. Well, I don't know if everyone, but. My four years at Iowa were just incredible. I had an incredible run. All right. I just, it was the, from the moment I stepped on campus yeah. to the moment I left, it's nothing but positive vibes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You don't want to spoil it yeah, by going back you know, and getting fired after two nothing, years. Yeah, <laughs> it was nothing but, I mean, yeah, 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 you, you don't know, want to spoil yeah, it. Don't, don't ruin it. Don't, yeah, don't yeah, ruin it. I mean, it's just, you know, you go back and it's just great, right? I mean, you, it was just, I mean, from what we achieved as a group, what we did, uh, you know, Chuck Long was like runner up to like in football and, uh, and for the Heisman Trophy to Bo Jackson. I mean, we just had a it was a great four years there. 
And uh, I don't know how I could top that. I, but you know what? If the university did call back and ask me, that's one place I know I, I, I don't have the ability to say no. Yeah. Right? I, that's, so I, I try to keep my distance because I don't want to have to say yes. You didn't say no. There you have it. Yeah. 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 Armstrong does not say yeah. no to Iowa. Not say no to Iowa. If, they ask me to do, if they ask me to do anything for the university, anything, right, I would... I would have to do it. Yeah. I mean, the bag. I would have to. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, <laughs> but uh, you. Uh, that's, that's a great time. That's what we're Yeah, that's our. That's the assistant coach. We can do three months. Yeah, you we'll guys, you guys are bad. You guys are bad. <laughs> well, we're talking about the draft. This will be their final thing. So you, you know, you've seen all sides of this. When we got the draft coming up, I saw Vince Carter wrote like a little guide, basically like how to be a professional in the NBA today. How, how to. How to maneuver the system? How to work the system? How to so, cut your toenails and like, yeah, you just yeah. get like that down. <laughs> yeah. How do you how do you watch this you, show on Netflix yes. and make sure you can finish it before? Yeah. Yada yada yada. Yeah. Anyways, we've got this situation. You obviously know a bunch of these young guys. You've seen all these guys that they come in. What, what is your advice, not only as an agent but as a player, as someone who's been in the front office? What is the main you know words of advice you give to someone like a Ja Moran or a Zion, whoever it may be in this class, where you're like, word to the wise. Here's what I would say going into the NBA just from the jump. Well, you know, it, it's a new game now, and it's a new, it's a new era in basketball. And the, the the big thing about today is the one thing that that I and every player who had the you know had the opportunity to play in the NBA, the NBA was always about one word: performance. That was the X factor. Either it, can you get it done, or you can't. Performance was the X factor to everything that you did, right? I don't care. I didn't care about how long you worked out. I didn't care how many shots you shot in the gym. I didn't care about whether you put on Instagram rising, grind, rising it with your. What shoes I cared about was, you know, it's funny as an agent now. You know, I always make fun of all. You know, I, you take you know me a little bit, and you know, I having fun is just part of the deal, right? Breaks up the monotony. And every time I ask a player, hey, man, how was the workout? Man, I had a great workout. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. I had a great workout. I've never met a player who told me, hey, BJ, I had a bad workout today. Right. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. And what I realized was Phil Jackson didn't care about what I did in the summer. Yeah. What he cared about was could I perform in the game? Yep. And performance now is that's an afterthought, right? Yeah. It's it's about, well, he's grinding in the summer. Right. I'm putting in the work. I'm, it's projection over I'm, performance. I'm drafting potential. Mm-hmm. I'm doing all of these things other than performing in the game. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that I stress to every kid is come to the NBA when you can perform because it's a cold world up here. The truth of the, the 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 truth of the matter is, the NBA players are going to get traded. GMs and coaches are going to get fired. Why? Because the players aren't performing, and there aren't there aren't enough teams, if you will, who can just give you unconditional playing time. Yeah. So that you can get what you don't have, which is inexperience. So for me. Watching all of these players, yes, they're one. Some of these players are incredibly gifted players, right? 
physical, physically they're gifted, right? I can't, you can't deny that. You watch these players, you go, oh, wow. They can run, they can jump, they can dunk, they can do all of the things. But that's different than performing and affecting the bottom line, bottom line up here. Right. The bottom line up here is you have to win. And no coach, okay, and, I, and I'll say it, no coach is going to develop a player yeah. up here. Right. Now, they talk. Right. We, we talk about developing and but all. But every those coach things. thinks they can. Every coach well, thinks like, I'll get this guy. Coach, I'll teach him how to shoot. I'll they, teach him how to. They say what yeah. they have to say. Right. But in the end, every coach gets fired. Why? Yeah. Because they didn't win in the game. So all these players, I say, okay, great. Potential is going to get you drafted. Great. Potential will get you to the NBA, but it's not going to keep you. So you have to take out. Take that word off of your name as quickly as you can. And to all of these young players here, all of these young players, I always say the following. How many of you all can help a team win? Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line. That's it, like, yeah. that's the bottom line. So when you have a number one player, okay, and I was fortunate enough to have a number one player in Derrick Rose. My only goal for him was, Derrick, if you are as good as you say you are or you think you are, then I expect, and you should expect, the Bulls to be in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. End of discussion. There was no yeah. discussion about rookie of the year, about how many points I'm going to average, about how, how many minutes I'm going to get. I expect you to figure out how to get how to, that team yeah. to the playoffs. Yeah. End of discussion, because you are only as good as your best player. Now, I think that may be a little different from a lot of agents, because I didn't care about all of the other things. Yeah. Like rookie of the year, all that stuff will come if you're able to do that. And every year I always follow since then who have gotten their team to the playoffs with the number one pick since then. Yeah. Because that's the only thing that yeah. matters. Winning is the only winning is the only variable that connects the front office to the it coaches. It sounds like you're a Kawhi Leonard fan, by the way. The, Kawhi the, Leonard. The one guy who hey, Kawhi Leonard epitomizes is, like – He's just an win. exceptional. I don't want to do it. Who cares All about everything stuff else? Does, I'm so here to I'm win. losing. We we're getting. Look, I get I get the entertainment. I get all of the stuff that comes on the outside. What made this league great was because the great players perform. Mm -hmm. Like say what you want to about Larry Bird. Larry Bird perform. Mm -hmm. Magic Johnson, yeah, Showtime, great smile, look low look away passes. Yeah, he performed. Mm -hmm. He performed. Okay, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he performed. Michael Jordan, oh, yeah, to go wagging out. Are yeah. we sure he performed? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when it came, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, yeah. Tim Duncan, God, I mean, when I watched him, I was like, God, just performed. Yeah. Just got it done, right? right? You know what I mean? Now we're into this age of – Yeah. Uh, we talk about this with college basketball teams where it's like – you're, you're almost like like places like Duke and Kentucky almost aren't even trying to win national championships. They're like trying to like build brands and it's. Well, yeah, I don't know if you're whole, building brands. It's not it's quite just, like that, but it's, there's just like this whole other thing around basketball. It's not even about like you like people would be shocked to find if you don't really follow college basketball, you'd be shocked to know that John Calipari's only won one title because it's just he's kind of like a guy in college basketball. It's because there's this all this brand and things surrounding him. Well, there's um, so much going. It, well, it's so much going on now with the entertainment of sports. Yeah. You know, and. And it's happening in the NBA as well. Like, it's not based the, – the, at one point, the NBA was great because of the performance of the players. The performance, like, you know, Akeem Olajuwon, right. Shaq, you know, Charles Barkley, all these guys, they just perform. Now the game is some type of hybrid, right? Mm -hmm. It's like 
entertainment right. meets sports meets what we're talking about like now. Like a men's lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like reality like we're show. Talking about, yeah, like we're talking about, oh, what's this guy wearing? Right, yeah. You know, what, I heard such and such doesn't like such and such. I heard such and such is getting traded here. We're t It's like, honestly, as an agent, it's just more about transactions now. Yeah. Like very rarely, very rarely, and sad to say, but it's true. Very rarely do I talk to executives and people in the league about the game. Mm -hmm. We're just talking about, you know. <laughs> it's turning to Bravo. What, yeah. Assets, right? I'm yeah. talking about, okay, what what, what do you have? Uh, you what, know, yeah. what's your PER? Uh, what's what's going on? Did with you see what Russ was wearing and when he walked into the game today? And, like, yeah, that, that's the funniest thing to me are the shots of the guys walking into the game. Like, that's become, I don't know. I, th that, that one cracks me up. But anyway. Yeah, you know, lifestyle is the, here. The life. you know? uh, li <laughs> As Tate would say, he's loud from the waist down. Yeah. <laughs> Man's loud. You know, yeah, that's what it's all about. Man. This is got to be loud down low. You got to be loud down low, you oh, know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's where we're at. And that's that's cool. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. Uh, but at the same time, while we are entertaining ourselves, play. And yeah. perform, right? You know, yeah. don't tell me next year. Like, you know what? Yeah. Give it to me. And uh, and that's, to me, that's what makes coaching so difficult today is that, you know, you just don't have time to develop these players. Yeah. And today's kids, whether they're in high school, they're, you know, or college or the NBA, where are they going to develop? And, I, and I'll make this final point. Um you know, as I watch the game now, the game is now a global game, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, at one point we would watch the domestic players and we could, because we were at, you know, at the top of the food chain, if you will. But the best young players in today's game are all the international players. The Joel Embiid's, the Luka Doncic's, the Jokic, Giannis. Giannis yeah. They're all the international players. The best young players Siakam. in the Siakam, the best young players in today's game in the NBA are the international kids. And it's because they're having an opportunity to develop mm -hmm. and play the game at the highest level before they come here. I mean, this Luka Doncic kid, okay, he was, <laughs> he was he was he was terrific this year. You trying to get a job at the Ringer with this well, time? Well, no, 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 and the reason I'm saying no, and the reason I'm saying is because not because he was like the best athlete, mm -hmm. not he, because he was the best player, is because mentally, yeah, he was prepared pro. for yes. this because he's been a yeah. pro since he was like 14 right. years of age. Being a professional, you know, I, I didn't read the what what Vince Carter said, but being a pro takes time. Yeah. Right. It took time for me to learn how to eat. It took time for me to learn how to respect the game where I said, you know what, I really got to go to bed tonight because I'm playing against Irving Magic Johnson tomorrow night. Right. Yeah. This isn't playing again the Big Ten. Right. This is playing against the best of the best. And yeah. it took time for me to learn how to prepare myself and do the things that I needed to do so that I had to understand not only what I had to do, but what I had to do for this team and the other 11 people. So Luka Doncic and these kids, they've been pros and they have, to me, a significant advantage over the domestic kids because, you know, they get, what, six months on a college campus yeah. and then they're ready. Right. Now we see their talent, but where are they going to learn the game? Right, right. 
Great point. Uh, BJ, thank you so much for joining us. He is BJ Armstrong with the greatest shooters in yes. the history of this game. Uh, the, the the man who beat Dean Smith in the Dean Dome. Yes. Uh, <laughs> former number one pick in the expansion draft, but we don't need to say that. <laughs> um, what else? We keep going. Uh, he led the Iowa Hawkeyes to a number one ranking. And he didn't um, say, and no he did not say no to the job. That's, That's the job. That's the thing. Uh, 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 they, no. they have a great coach there. I want to put that for the right. They have a great coach there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you better you better say something that Fran McCaffrey will try to kill you. Oh, yeah, will literally try to kill you if you try to get a job. <laughs> <laughs> Fran McCaffrey will literally try to kill you. BJ, thanks so much for joining us. This thanks, was BJ. Fun. Thank you. Sports. All right, thank you to BJ Armstrong for coming in. That was fun. Uh, great talking to him. One of the greatest. I'm going to say it again. I've said it like 500 times on this podcast. One of the greatest shooters in NBA history. Um, I'm I'm a shooter, so I like Shooter State. Are mm-hmm. you a sh- are you are you a shooter? Yes, you're indeed. a shooter. Yeah. What kind I, of, uh, yeah. Yeah. Hit some three point shots. Hit a couple mid range. You've been known floaters. to hit the hit the, hit the old three ball, as yeah. we say. Oh my god. Down at the wreck. I'm like, hey man, you're shooting those three balls real nice. Sometimes when you hear <laughs> things like that going on, you know, and you're talking, you just want people. You just want to give them a hug. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just say, be yourself, bro. <laughs> Um, all right, let's let's wrap everything up. Uh, we we have a few other things we want to we want to hit real quick. Um, I'll, I'll I'll give you the floor. What what do you want to close out with? First off, uh, first off, I want to say a shout out to Duke Defector. This is a Duke Defector program mm-hmm. uh, update. We got Derek Thornton, yes, a Duke Defector from a while ago, transferring to, to USC to USC to now, Boston College. Yep. Yes, so I mean a school that you know Duke has had some trouble with you know over time. So maybe this is. Derek Thornton's chance to really stick it to him. So congratulations, Derek Thornton. Has his has his clock actually started? His four year clock? Like, has he actually played anywhere? Or is he just transferring? Is that like his whole career? Is just gonna like keep transferring? And then like when he's twenty eight, he'll he'll be a freshman, and then he'll it'll start. I, th- I, think, I think he's I think he's still got like four more years left. I think he is dipping his pen in a, in a lot of company ink. You know what it, I mean? He, it, he's <laughs> all over the place. You know what I mean? He is a he's a USC <laughs> is getting contacts. He's a Duke getting contacts. He's a Boston College that, getting contacts. I was just say, I think that phrase means something very different. It definitely does. <laughs> dip, but it sounds good. I'm going to Google that. I'll get back to you. Dipping his pen in company ink uh, is, I've, 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 I've heard it a different basically, way, but that's okay. Basically, he's working for lots of companies. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's meeting lots of people. It's called networking. You know, he's like his, he's basically the king of LinkedIn that's, at this uh, point. That's one thing. Uh, call congratulations that. to Duke uh, you're Defector. Right. You're right. Oh, you, you actually did say, yeah, you're seeing what it means? You're right. Yeah. What does it mean? It means having sex with women you work with. <laughs> or we don't see gender here, whoever you work with. Or whoever you work with. So the with. pen is really. So a what you basically that, said yeah. was that Derek Thornton is having sex with a lot of his teammates and coaches, and and I'm here to say <laughs> who's to say. <laughs> God damn it. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. You don't, don't know. know. We don't know. We don't have the technology. Uh, <laughs> More shoutouts and closeouts. I gotta talk. We gotta talk about Kerry Blackshear. Have you been following this guy? Have you seen this, folks? Uh, Kerry Blackshear is the number one transfer, uh, immediately eligible transfer on the market. As mm-hmm. we know, the Hauser brothers, or Kerry Blackshear is probably better than both those guys anyway. But um, you love the Hauser brothers. I just like I just like talking about it. I, I like the idea that Marcus Howard came back, and then the Hauser brothers were like, "Oh well, in that case, we're getting the fuck mm-hmm. out of here." Yeah. Um, that was just really funny. It was a funny two days. I have nothing against Marquette fans, but it was just objectively funny that for two days it was like Marquette might be a top five team, mm-hmm. and it's gone. <laughs> um. But Kerry Blackshear, uh, uh, transferring from Virginia Tech, Buzz Williams leaves. He decides he doesn't want to play um, for a different coach, so he's going to go play for a different coach now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but what's interesting about him choosing which school he's going to go to, or maybe not, because as we know, the transfer portal thing, you could always go back to Virginia Tech if he wants. That's still on the table, apparently. Um, but every visit he's taking is SEC school. 
Yes. This man loves the SEC. That's all he's narrowed down. He doesn't know which school he wants to go to. He just knows that it just means more in the SEC. He has visited, uh, uh, he's already visited Florida, already visited Tennessee, already visited Arkansas. He's visiting Kentucky today. Um, and apparently like Texas A&M he has an interest in as well. Exclusively SEC teams. That's, that's it. I like to think in the SEC, you know, in Arby's when they have, we have the meats and they threw in the little addition for mm-hmm. sandwiches because they were worried yeah, that people yeah. may take it the wrong way. I like to think that the SEC goes, it just means more money. <laughs> huh. I didn't even think about that. Do you think that's why he's interested in and SEC it's, And teams? it's like wow. pitched up to a certain level where only you can hear it if you're in the SEC. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. just means more mm-hmm. money. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice. Uh, but yes, Kerry Cl- Blackshear, I think Kentucky. You know what? I like to have some fun with it. And, and when I write out SEC, I make the S a dollar sign and the C a cent and the E a euro. I have never, I have never seen that. Oh you have my some gosh. fun with it, and you're like, "What? Yeah." And you're you, like, "You got to be kidding!" Yeah, me. people are doing this. Yeah, wow. it's hilarious. Wow. It's a good, it's a good little zinger you can do on Twitter or on the message boards. Yeah, back to 2007, feel free to, and feel we're free here. To steal that one, <laughs> folks. I think that Kentucky thinks they're going to get Blackshear. I think that pretty much that would make a lot of sense to everyone if that were to happen because they need a big man. We talked about this before. So they currently have Nick Richards yes. and EJ Montgomery are battling it out for the starting center spot on Kentucky. So. Nick Richard is still looking at his high school coach like, yeah. when am I going to go get this lottery money that I was yeah. promised? When is that going to happen? So maybe this is the year where he breaks out. Fingers crossed for Nick. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, Blackshear is a great fit for Kentucky. He's a great player. We've seen him do great things with Virginia Tech. He's, you know, an able-bodied big dude who can get buckets and, you know, kind of set the tone for a front court. I have a feeling he's going to drag this out for like another couple months and then announce he's going to play in Australia. That's what I think we're we're headed towards. But uh, right now, or it's, China, or, or China, it's hilarious mm-hmm. though because uh, just every literally every single team that's on his list that he's showing interest in is in the SEC. So uh, I just I I find that interesting. That's all. Hmm. We'll, we'll say interesting. We'll use that word. Yes. <laughs> um, anything on the draft, by the way? Should do, do you have a do we, do we need to do a? I just realized this is our last show before the draft. We've been asking. We've been having other people on and kind of talking to them and getting their thoughts. We haven't really spent a lot of time giving our thoughts. What are, what are like some draft opinions you have that you haven't shared yet that you want to dump out there? Yeah, draft opinions. I know we talked about this a little bit. Like, who is going to be the first Kentucky Calipari guy? Will he be in the lottery? Who will it be? I'm here to tell you that I, on word of some others that I've heard, believe that Tyler Hero is going to not only be the first Kentucky man off the board, he is going to be a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. He's going to be either the 13th pick, 14th pick, Right in that range. In the Devin Booker range is, is mm-hmm. what we would call it. So Tyler Hero has been doing workouts. He has been great compared to, you know, what I guess people may have expected of him. What you and I definitely expected of him from that first from game. From the start of the season, yes. yeah. yeah. So when he, he was 13% body fat. More athletic. And, he's apparently yeah. getting after people on defense and apparently is shooting the ball out of his mind right now. So a lot of teams are really, really high on Tyler Hero. So I wouldn't be shocked if Hero goes in the lottery. Another Kentucky guy that I am kind of shocked that I'm hearing that he's falling Kelton Johnson apparently is falling into that early second round. What? 34 to 36 window no. for a lot of teams. Yeah. So he's so apparently there's some medical stuff, possibly. Who knows? But regardless, he is uh kind of falling. So so we thought there might be like 15, 16, 17 range. All three of those guys bunch up together, and there's you know, there's a little degree of separation where heroes going up, Kelton's maybe sliding down late first, early second. So I find that really interesting. The draft, the draft happens too soon. Because I love Kelton Johnson. There's still too much movement going on for the draft to be. I guess that's what makes it entertaining is that teams have no idea what they're going to do still. But I, I, I'll, I'll say it again. If this draft took place in 
October, Kobe White would be the number one pick and Romeo Langford would go undrafted. I, I swear. Just mm-hmm. as more time passes, Kobe just keeps climbing up and up and like Romeo is. Because uh, the same thing is happening with Tyler Hero. As Speaking well. of Romeo, it's too. just, you know, has the guy ever had a really good jump shot? No one really knows. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to figure that out. He's got this whole wrist thing. Speaking of, uh, this is about to blow your mind. Um, speaking of Tyler Hero, I looked this up yesterday. I did some analytics. This is going to blow your mind, Tate. All the white American guys that are probably going to get drafted in this draft, and there's four of them by my estimation, all the white American guys have a Y as the second letter of their first name. We have Tyler Hero, Ty Jerome, Jerome, Kyle Guy, Dylan Windler. What does it mean? Why? If you, what does it mean, Kyle? Yeah, you're a Y. I'm a Y. You're you're a second letter Y. Yeah. What does it mean? The white guys. If you're if you're a white American and uh, you have a white like I will say a lot of times not your, not yeah. this Kyle, but sometimes you do see Kyles out in the world do some things, and all you can think to yourself is why. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <You know>. Yes. <laughs> when um, he shotguns a monster. You're like ten a.m. Yeah. You're like why? Oh my god. Um, I don't know what it means, man. But that's uh that's that's something to keep an eye on. <laughs> <laughs> keep a Y on it. Uh, yeah. So uh, I I don't know. If, shout out to if 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 you're having a if you're a white American, you want your kid to play in the NBA, name him like Tyler or Ty or Ryan. Ryan would work. Ryan. Micah, like with a Y instead of an I, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what else, but uh. Mike Cabongo. That, that's the kind of analysis you can only get on this program is, is stuff like that. Uh, speaking of white guys, I had this question: <laughs> What happened to Brasdakis? Are you are you aware of 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 why people hate this guy? Because I w- when when they played Carolina in the ACC Big Ten at that moment in time, Brasdakis looked like he was going to definitely be a lottery pick, and now I don't even see him on mock drafts. He might go undrafted. I think that he is very much a rogue player in the sense that. He does everything old school in the way that he take care of, takes care of his body, the way <laughs> he, you know, kind of... He's ripping heaters at halftime. Stretches. Like, you know, I think he just does everything that's very out of the ordinary, out of sorts. So if you're getting medicals on a guy and you're like, I don't know... Isn't kn- that Doncic, though? Isn't that Luka Doncic doing the same thing? A little pudgy, a little, like, just old school... Not afraid to have a Marlboro and... Luka Doncic smokes A Miller Genuine... Right? I don't know. That's that, That's just what I... I I don't know. Virginia. That's the story in my head was that he was just smoking Marlboro Reds in the locker room at halftime in in Lithuania. I hope you're a fucking... Well, Brasdakis... He's not Lithuanian. He's Slovenian, right? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, one of those. I had the the ball family on my mind. Yeah, but basically, that is a concern. His medicals, I think, uh, is what's coming out. But also, I think this whole draft... The worst pick in the draft, I was told, is the fourth pick in the draft, which is somehow the pick that the Lakers were able to use to get Anthony Davis, which makes no sense to me. But apparently, because no one knows who is outside of the top three... With Morant, it's Barrett, the first decision that has to be yes, made. Really. Exactly. That's so why it's, it's like, the worst one. Do you like Hunter? Do you like Culver? Do you want to take a chance on Reddish? Like whoever it may be. Do you like Kobe? Do you like Garland? So everyone's like, I don't want the fourth pick. Seems like a headache. I'd rather someone else figure that out for me. So that's where we are. Why don't they? Yeah. Like why don't? Why doesn't everybody just trade it? Like I, I brought that up to Vicini. Just what if? But what's the value passed? of nobody? What wants if they to just make kept trading over and over and over, and the draft just goes on, and it's like. We're waiting on the fourth pick, and then Adam Silver comes out, and it's like the fourth pick has been traded again. It's been traded again, and it's it's like forty five minutes of, of again. Yeah. yeah, why not? It'd be fun. <laughs> It'd be a good time. All right, anything else before we go? I'm excited for the draft overall. Uh, I hope we do a show. I hope we talk about all the things. I think a lot of guys are going to go to some good teams in some certain places. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Magic Johnson. You know, you know I think people are going to be excited about it. Uh, no, I, on a serious note, I do think uh, I really want the Pistons at 15 to get Nazir Little. 
So that's something that I'm fingers crossed, hoping that happens. I would love to see him in Detroit. He's a tough-nosed kid. I think that's a really good team, really good fit with Blake there, kind of to mold him a little bit. I'm curious to see Nasir Little's NBA career unfold because I I do believe in him, but I don't believe in him as much as he believes in himself. But I believe in him more than Roy Williams believed in him. So, yeah. Somewhere in the middle there. I think we're post-lottery. You know what I mean? After the Raptors Mm -hmm. won the title, you know, Kawhi was the highest pick on the team. He was 15th. We know Mm -hmm. Giannis was 15th. Now, now, now we're we're trying to find guys that are outside the lottery. The lottery would be the fifteenth. Yeah, pick, yeah. Yes. The lottery guys are just prima donnas at this point. It's fifteen and on. That's where you make your pick. That's where you make your money. So Nazir Little, fifteen to the Pistons. Fingers crossed. Hoping for that. Um, I don't know how we missed this on on May 29th, I I honestly have no idea how we missed this. Uh, Duke said that Trey Jones had hernia surgery and hip surgery. Were you aware of this? No, I was not. How did this fly under the radar? I, I I somehow stumbled across this that Trey Jones since the season was over on uh, I the, the news report was from May 29th which was what was that was probably Memorial Day weekend mm-hmm. maybe not I don't remember um but yeah Trey Jones has had this offseason had hip surgery and hernia surgery I feel like this should be news that we were talking about <laughs> I feel like this should not be tacked onto a podcast um like three weeks after the fact but I don't know Did they I do didn't... it at Duke Hospital yeah I mean yeah. What you, is it? Is it a medical school? What is what is Duke? What do you oh, go to it's Duke the for? research triangle, dog. We got you know. Did all you get the, your back surgery? Did the, the, the your back thing done at Duke Hospital? No, God no, uh, no. I'm in yeah. Wake Forest. There, there are Kyle, I don't State. know if you, Kyle. I don't know if you're aware of this. There are rumors floating around, and Tate, you don't have to. You, you can deny them, or you, you can just no comment. This will be good. That Tate was born in Duke Hospital. Oh, that's the room. That's what the a rumor. Wrinkle. Mariah Parham Hospital, which is a Duke Hospital affiliate. Yes, mm. it's in the network. Yeah, but now it's now we're Chapel Hill. I feel like your parents wouldn't let you go to the the main campus, right? I mean that. My mom said if she was dying and we had to go to Duke <laughs> Hospital, she'd rather just go. Just you know, <laughs> just let her go. <laughs> and that's real. Oh god. That's it. That's the show. Uh, we'll be back on, like I said, Thursday night. We're going to do something of some sort. We're going to talk about the draft. Um, we've been we've been following these guys forever. Obviously, uh, we we I, I can't really speak to what kind of fits they'll be at certain teams, team needs, and all. It that must kind of be stuff, so but, hard to not have watched college basketball and then yeah. have to go back and watch all this. Stuff. <laughs> like I said, you know what I mean. I, I do feel bad for the people that I'm like. Thank it's like thank God I did the reading because if I didn't, I'd be so screwed right, right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do something Thursday night uh, for Friday morning. Don't know what it is yet, but we will be covering the draft in some capacity. So keep an eye out for that. Thank you again to BJ Armstrong for joining us. That is the show. See you guys on Friday.